0: Okay. We good? We good? There we go. All right, man. Thank you for your help. This is an important week in Set Free. You know that driving under the influence, driving under the influence of alcohol or drugs or substances is a very bad thing, and most of you will never, ever try that, and I'm glad, because not only is it illegal, but it is it unwise and it is dangerous, and it has the great potential to destroy your life and the life of other people. But what if, instead of driving under the influence, you and I were living under the influence of something that is far stronger, uh, far more uh, able to impair your judgment than alcohol or drugs? What if we were living under the influence? That's what we're here to talk about this morning. And we're, yeah, we're talking about being set free from the influence of evil. Set free from the influence of evil. So we got to pray. Lord, I need you. I I don't need your help. I need you to do it. I need you to take over your Holy Spirit in me through my voice through your word, um, in your people, in people that don't know yet that they're your people. And Lord, give us ears to hear, give us hearts to know and, and commit. Lord, I ask their protection uh, from the evil one who will want to distract and discourage and confuse. Lord, um, show us how we are under the influence and how you have won the victory and you have given us the victory in yourself. Do that, please, for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so we're talking about being set free from the influence of evil. And this is all of us. The next three weeks, this is the final th- chapter of our Set Free series. The next three weeks, this week included, are deliver us from evil. So that's the, the, because there's far more that we could uh, cover in any one week. It's important. It's important for the victory in your life, for the quality of your life, that you commit to being here with us. If you can't change it, get the podcast. The problem of evil. Now, uh, many of you have heard of that. First of all, I, I, I get that. Many people here, uh, or some people here, uh, maybe don't believe that Satan, as a as a personal being, or even... Demons exist. I get that. I get some people may not even believe that God exists. I get that. If that's you, you are most welcome to explore those questions and answers here with us. Absolutely welcome. But here's the thing with the problem of evil many people say that this is the Christian's greatest challenge to explain the problem of evil in the world. If, in fact, there is a God who is all-knowing, all-powerful, and all-loving, then how do you explain the problem of evil? But I would say, as does Tim Keller, that if the problem of evil is difficult for the Christian to explain, it is far more difficult for the atheist to explain. Here's why. Here's why. Because absolutely no thinking person who has ever left the house would say that there is no evil in the world. Even people who don't believe in a God would say there are people, there are attitudes, there are actions that they would define as evil. Here's the problem. Without a God, There is no unchangeable, objective standard for what is good and what is evil. Without a God, there is no definition of what is good and what is evil. It's just what you think. And what you think of as good and what you like, that's good. But what somebody else thinks of as right and good has to be good too, because you have no other authority. And so there are people in this world who think prejudice and persecution and bullying and abuse and hatred and murder and genocide and rape and all these things are good. And who are you to say? Well, the majority. Well, that doesn't carry it either because there are majorities in certain communities that would think things are good that are evil. So, Good and evil just exist in the mind of each person. That can't be. That can't be. That makes for utter chaos. And and God's word saw this coming. If you've ever read uh, the book of Judges in the Old Testament, it's like Game of Thrones on steroids. Like every evil, every atrocity, every abuse, it's, it's horrible. It's horrific. And these are the last words in that book. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Everyone did what was right in her own eyes. That's what it looks like back then and forever. Okay, so it is a valid question, though. It is a val- if it's difficult for the Christian to explain, it's even more difficult for the atheist to explain. But it's a valid question, right? I mean, think about it. And we, and we, w- we don't want to throw our, our, our brains in the trash. God says, Love us with all, love him with all our minds. So, so, so we think about it. If there is a God, and, and, and we, we posit that, that there is, absolutely, who is all knowing and all loving and all powerful, why is there the possibility? of people or angels in the the context of talking about demons, who could choose otherwise, who could choose evil. Why is there the possibility for evil? I'll leave the answer to somebody far wiser than I am, C.S. Lewis. He wrote this. It's brilliant. If a thing is free to be good, it is also free to be bad. And free will is what made evil possible. Why then? that God give them, us, free will. Because free will, though it makes evil possible, is also the only thing that makes possible any love or goodness or joy worth having. God desired us to be free lovers of him, who choose to love him, not robots who are programmed Because Teddy Ruxpin, if you're as old as me, he has to say he loves you. Because he's programmed that way. But we can choose. And he wanted free lovers. But that is also what makes evil possible. So if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you you definitely need to hang in there and, and, and stay with us through this message. Because evil has you targeted to get you off course. They can't steal your salvation. They could just steal your joy and your purpose and your fruitfulness and and your peace, blessing, shalom in this life, and you don't want that. And if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, hang with us again. Most welcome here. Most welcome here. But as we go through this, you may see evidence in your life of evil having influence over you. And I pray that you would choose that you would give Jesus influence over your life instead. Demons, let's just get this straight, are not the equal and opposite of Jesus. They may be the opposite spiritually, but they are not equal in any way, shape, or form. Spend any time in the New Testament, every time Jesus shows up and demons are present, they wet themselves. My translation, don't look for that verse. Okay, but you get it, right? You get it. They do. And Satan is not Jesus equal either. Satan is a created being. Satan was a a high-ranking angel, maybe an archangel, who chose rebellion. Same thing, right? Chose to be his own God. Do you see that choosing to be our own God is the sin that made Satan, Satan? That's why it's so bad. So that's why we want to get that straight, that God is God and I am not. He is Savior and I need him. Right? That's it. That's it. Jesus has far outgunned the power of Satan and his demons, and that's why he came. The Apostle John said as much. He wrote, the reason, the Son of God, the reason Jesus appeared was to what? Destroy the works of the devil. To destroy, how did he do that? The perfect creator God, Jesus Christ, came and became, took on our humanity, fully God, fully man, lived this life facing every imaginable, every single temptation, yet without sin. Because he had to be a person without sin. And only a perfect God and a perfect man without sin could be the perfect once and for all sacrifice on the cross for our sins In our place. And he was. And he is. And after he died, he rose again to show that he has victory over Satan, death, hell, demon, evil, the grave. All of it. And then he gives that to you as he moves in and indwells those who surrender to him to receive him. So that you have victory over Satan, hell, death, evil, the grave. All of it whether you know it or not. And our job is to help you know it so that you can walk in the victory that has already been won for you. Already been won for you. That's how we did it. To make sure that you and I were set free from evil and its influence, that means nothing, uh, over your life. <laughs> but to experience that to the fullest, we got to know how Satan and the demons attack us we have to recognize it paul said this he said this so that we would not be outwitted by satan for we are not ignorant of his designs of his schemes of his plans we, we can't be ignorant of the way that he works and that's what we're going to do we have to recognize the reality of evil not just in the world But in our homes, in our marriages, in our lives, in our workplaces, on our teams, we have to recognize it. Now, there are two equal, uh, two opposite, rather, mistakes that we can make. Number one is to see evil under every rock and blame everything on the powers of evil, right? Demons are not the reason your car ran out of gas. (laughs) (laughs) The reason your car ran out of gas is is because you didn't know that the E on your dashboard does not stand for enough. <laughs> Fill up the hoopty. Do it. So one mistake is to attribute everything to evil and take no responsibility. The opposite mistake is to attribute nothing to evil. That would be just as bad. Because evil is active in and over your life, and between your relationships, and in our town, and at our university. And we have to recognize that if we're going to stop it in our lives, in our families, in the lives of other people. Right? We, we need to stop it. The realm of the spirit is more real than the physical. You doubt me? The physical is temporary. The spiritual is eternal. You are a spiritual being who just happens to have a physical body. You are not a physical being that happens to have a spirit. Do you track with me? The realm of the spirit is more real than even the physical on which we make all of our decisions, right? It affects you more deeply than the weather, the news, the economy. How, whether your boss is nice to you or not, whether you had enough coffee or Diet Coke today, whether you got enough sleep, whether your kids are feeling good or whether they're getting lippy, right? That's right. Not that that ever happens to people in our church. So we're going to dig in, right? Here we go. So how does evil affect your life? Through, say with me, lies. Say it like that. Lies. Through hearing, thinking, and believing And acting on lies. Satan's love language is lying. His pants are on fire all the time. I'm not making this up. Jesus said it. Here's what he said. He, when he, Satan, lies, he speaks out of his own character. For he is a liar and the father of lies. The father of lies. Hands up. If anyone's ever lied, hands up. Okay, the rest of you are lying, okay? (laughs) So, right? That's it. Everybody lies. It will not. And what kind of lies work for those of you who have lied before? Blatant lies? No. Subtle lies, right? You twist the truth. Just has enough. And that's what Satan does, right? He twists the truth. Subtle lies. Like, nobody's going to believe it if I say, I can dunk, right? You just, you don't <laughs> believe it. I can dunk in an Oreo and milk, but <laughs> that's done. Du- hey, it's all dunking. But Satan is not going to come at you and tell you white is black and black is white. You know, No, you'd recognize that. It wouldn't get away with anything. He wants to take the truth and twist it. Just enough so that it doesn't accomplish that which God intended. So, so what does that mean for you and me practically? It means number one, that we have to be honest. We have to tell the truth. We've received the truth. We the truth lives in us to, to speak anything but truth is wrong, right? So so when you and I leave somebody with a false impression and do so intentionally, we are singing the praises of the Father of Lies. And, And nobody here would ever want to do that. So we need to be honest. We need to be honest. And secondly, we need to know the truth. We need to know the truth so that we can spot a lie from a mile away Before it gets in on us, if I had only known, you will, if you know the truth. You need to know the truth so well. You know, when they train people in the financial industry to spot a counterfeit $20 bill, because the 20 is the most counterfeited bill in the United States. I would think it would be the 100, but people would be looking for 100s, but it's the 20. When they train people to recognize a counterfeit 20. They don't teach people what a counterfeit looks like. They teach them what the real authentic bill looks like because then they can spot a counterfeit no matter how it's altered. By the same token, you and I must know the truth to gauge every lie against it and reject it. You must know the truth of God's word. You must know it. You must know it as well as you know your name, as well as you can recite every address you've ever lived in, a- as well as you can sing along with any song you have ever heard on your favorite radio station, whether it's been 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years since you've heard that. Has that freaked you out? Has that freaked you out? You said, where is that? Where, where, where did that come from? Sri Nile sings along to songs from before we were born <laughs> in the 70s. Okay, that was that was mean, which is also kind of a lie, anyway. You have to know. You have to know. Jesus said, if you abide in my word, if my word is your home. If it has its home in you, you are truly my disciples. Those are my peeps, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free from what, from untruth, from lies. But we got to know it. So when you come here, and I, and I hope you come here, we're gonna we're gonna study it together. We're gonna teach it together. When you go to life groups, and I hope you do that. We're gonna discuss the word of God. When when. Every day, I I would plead with you, let God speak to you through his word. He will. And he will give you so much truth that you're going to see, man, I believed that lie for all my life. And now I'm free. You don't have a Bible, look under one of the seats in front of you. Right? Take one from somebody else. I don't, you know. They'll get, no. Look under one of the seats in front of you. That's yours. To keep absolutely free. I'm not even lying. It's free. Take it. Read it. God will speak to you. Okay? So, what are Satan's most common lies? Here are a few. We're going to start off with his oldest lie. His original lie. You can find true pleasure apart from God. Satan's original lie. Our first parents, back in Genesis, right? Our first parents. Genesis chapter 3. God creates everything, says it is good, it is beautiful, it is wonderful, it's perfect. Puts a tree in the garden, says you can have everything, you can have everything, just not this, just not this. You don't eat of this tree, of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat it, you shall die. Physically, eventually, right? Your life is going to be on a path to death now, if you eat it, but spiritually, immediately, immediately. Death comes, right? Don't eat that. Eat it. Enjoy everything else. Just not the. Why does he put a tree there? For the very reason we talked about. He wants free lovers. Without the possibility of going wrong, love means nothing. And so here's how it goes down. Here's how it goes down with them. But the serpent, that's Satan, said to the woman, You will not surely die. I don't know if he said it like that. But, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Here's what he's saying. God is holding out on you. God has something really good, and he's keeping it from you. So take it for yourself now. You deserve it. Why should you not have every good thing? If he loved you, he'd give you every good thing. But he's not. He's holding out on you. And, and, and some of us would say, I'd never fall for that. Here's the version that he tells us. See if it sounds familiar. There is more joy for you and more life for you apart from Jesus than there is with him. You stay too close to Jesus and you'll be missing out on your best life that's the same lie brought into 2019 that's what he says the original lie why does he stay with it because we fall for it again and again and again and again this is the original lie and he tells it to us and we buy it even in the church do you remember that crowd of little toddlers and elementary school kids that was here, convinced that Jesus loves them, shouting that, he th- that they love him? Okay, that crowd will be diminished by a few by the time they get to middle school. That same lie will cut that crowd by 75% by the time they get to high school and trade popularity for loving Jesus publicly. That same lie, you think that's devastating? That same lie will take Jesus-believing young people to college, and most of them will utterly abandon him for at least four years, and many will not come back. That same lie is what makes married people cheat on their spouse got more joy apart from you, Jesus, and and your ways. That same lie makes families who love Jesus too busy with good things that they have little or no time for the best thing, which is Jesus Christ. It makes grown people who have got life under their belt and figured out think that possessions and wealth and IRAs and accomplishments and titles and activities of our life will actually give us more life. It won't. It can't. And we believe, even in the church, this lie that a life fully committed to Jesus will make me miss out on my best life. Your best life is Jesus. Your only life, my only life, is Jesus Christ. Don't figure that out when you stand before him, Saved! but regretful that I could have known that the fully committed life is the best life. This is the truth. You, God, make known to me the path of life you show me the way to find life that I could never find anywhere else. In your presence, which means when I'm looking to you, when I'm thinking of you, when I'm singing praises to you, when I'm when I'm focused on you, when I'm running to you, when I'm enjoying you, there is what? Fullness of joy. If you got your work sheets, underline that. There is fullness of joy. Do you know what fullness means? It means you can't fit any more joy in you without exploding. That's what it means at your right hand when I am as close to you as is humanly possible this side of heaven. There are pleasures forevermore. Pleasures forevermore. And Paul asks this question. Since he, God the Father, did not spare his own son, Jesus Christ, but gave him up for us all, will he not also give us everything else? And some of us look at that, and with our lives we say, mm, not sure. Of course he will. Of, of, of course he will. And I'm not, I'm not preaching some kind of prosperity, gospel, health, wealth, wealth, but That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about deep joy. Deep joy, regardless of your circumstances. That's what I'm talking about. So, what does that look like? What does that look like? We go back to C.S. Lewis in his book, The Screwtape Letters, which I highly recommend. If you haven't read it, please do. It, it's enjoyable and it's brilliant, right? It's a collection of letters from a senior devil or a d- demon to a junior demon. Uh, training him in, in how to manip- manipulate people. And, and here's one of the letters. He writes this, Never forget that when we are dealing with any pleasure in its healthy and normal and satisfying form, we are, in a sense, on the enemy's ground. We're on we're God's territory when we're dealing with pleasure. I know we have won many a soul through pleasure. All the same, it's his invention, not ours. He made the pleasures. He made all the pleasures. All our research so far has not enabled us to produce one. All we can do is encourage the humans to take pleasures which our enemy has produced at times or in ways or in degrees which he has forbidden. Before we move on, does anybody have any questions about um, the lie of more life, more pleasure apart from you? Anything we've covered so far? Good? We're good? You got an A on this, right? Okay. Got that dialed in. Okay, next lie. Here we go. Two. You should worry because this, well, whatever this is, because this is hopeless and God is of no help. Here's what the lie sounds like. You should worry. You should be anxious because this is big. This is big, and God doesn't care about it. He doesn't care about you. You are beyond hope. This is beyond hope. This situation will never change. You can never change. Your life will never change. You are stuck, and you are stuck forever, and God has forgotten you and probably rejected you. Good luck. Better worry. Better be anxious. And when when Satan tells this lie, he convinces you, he convinces me that our problem is huge so big. And our God is very small, very small indeed. And that is a lie. That is a lie. And this is true that you and I are to be casting all our anxieties onto God, onto Jesus, because he desperately cares for you. He does care and he is able. Jesus said this Anything is possible. Jesus looked at them and said, With man it is impossible, but not with God. For how many things? Say it. All things are possible with God. How dare we make our problems so big and our God so small when our problems are so small, when cast into the hand of our enormous, powerful, loving God. That is the truth. That is the truth. And I have fallen for this lie more times than I care to admit. This is not me telling you, shame on you for ever buying any of these. Aside from scripture, I came up with this list because I've fallen for them. And one way that I, that I fell for this lie of you're rejected and God has forgotten you was about 13 years ago. All of a sudden, on my heart, there was this burden. Tom, you are supposed to be a preacher. You are supposed to be sharing my word. You are supposed to be pleading with people to see how much I love them. And I... I knew that I was not doing that. There was a time when I was on that path. It was a time about 10 years earlier when I was working in the same field I'm working in now, fundraising. And I was going to school for my Masters of Divinity in New Orleans when uh, our kids were just little. And I was working during the day and and going to school at night and uh, just praying through that and after three semesters, I dropped out. It just it just got too hard. It was just too too busy. You know, I was neglecting my family. And it was okay for a while. But this burden that had come on me about 13 years ago w- was so deep that I kid you not, I would cry every night b- by myself because I had let God down, and he had rejected me, and I had failed him. And Cherie was the only one who knew, the only one. And she tried to comfort me, she said God, God's not like that. Now at the time, I was leading worship at Community Church, great church, love that, love those people, uh, b- right behind Subway. You say, well, I, I didn't know you could do that. I can't. I'm enthusiastic, I'm not very musical. Right, so I had a lot of enthusiasm. So I'm doing that, and I d- I mean I'm just wrecked by this. And I, I get this call, hey, can you drum up some of the worship team to come on Saturday? Because we have this lady named Terry, and, and she's spoken here at night. You, maybe you've seen her. Terry Uziak lives in uh, Colorado Springs. Never met the woman. She's coming to do this prayer thing, and she wants some music. Like, okay. Okay, so I picked some songs that the team didn't have to rehearse too much and we came on a Saturday and we did a couple of songs and so I wouldn't be rude I, I stay right and I don't know what she's doing but she's got a chair and she says does anybody need prayer we all need prayer right well, nobody's coming I mean like awkward really I like, she drove here nobody's getting prayer so like as somebody who knows a thing or two about ministry I said you know I guess I'll sit down, right? I'll break the ice. So I just come there and I sit. And, and she says, would you like me to pray for you? And I said, do you want me to tell you what I need prayer for? And she said, no. God already has. I said, have at it. And she stands next to me with her hand on my shoulder. She bows her head, closes her eyes. I do too. And she says, Lord, this man thinks that you've forgotten him, that you've forsaken him and rejected him, that you gave him this desire, this burden, to tell people how much you love them, and you're never going to give him the opportunity. Show him that's a lie. In Jesus' name, amen. She said, how close was that? I said, uh, you know, it's a <laughs> and Charisse. Like I'm a puddle, she's a puddle. That's a Saturday. That Wednesday, one of the elders from Bethany calls me and asks me to lunch at Mario's. I can tell you the booth where we ate. He probably called somebody else on Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday, <laughs> and they said no. But on Wednesday he said, look, we've lost our pastor quite quickly and we need somebody to fill in on the weekends. I said, well, there, there are three people I need to ask. One, one, one is my pastor at, at Community, Steve Morehouse. And he, w- he was really willing. I mean, immediately. They show you how well I didn't leave worship, right? He said, oh, go, they need you, go. I said my boss at Western, I would assure him that, not going to impact my performance and my w- my wife. And of course I said yes and they ran a search and it didn't work out so well. And they reopened it and didn't work out so well. And they asked me would I pray about staying? And I said you don't want me. <laughs> and they said they did. And that was 13 years ago. And I don't I don't tell you that so that you would think much of me. I want to tell you that because many of you, in your own context, have thought, I have proven myself unfaithful. And because of that, God has forgotten about me. He has rejected me. There is no hope. And I want to tell you as clearly as Terry told me, that is a lie. seminary dropout and call him back, he can make a way for you, he can make rivers in the desert for you, and he will. So have any questions about the lie of worry and anxiety because God has forgotten you? Okay, we're all getting an A on that, right? Okay, good. Okay, there's... M- That last lie, there's so many more, but I've kept you here a long time. Evil appears to be good. Satan appears to bring an immediate solution, right? Evil's not going to get anywhere if it looks evil, right? That is the whole concept of the three-year-old child. Like you saw some of them. They are adorable. Anybody ever had a three-year-old child? They're adorable. You know why they get away with murder? Because they're adorable. I'm not saying your three-year-old is evil. I'm not. Not all of them, no. No, but Satan wouldn't get away with anything if it looked like evil. Evil appears to be good. Appears to be good. And he says, Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. His very name, Lucifer, means light bearer, one who brings light. As an angel of light, we're going to do this. I'm going to let you go home. Satan hacks the traffic lights In your mind, he will tell you that you should go. He would tell you that you should go, thank you, when you should stop. He would tell you that you should go when you should stop. How many times has he done that? And we are an immediate gratification people, are we not? I mean, digital society, you can Google anything. You can watch and listen to anything, anytime, anywhere, right? You can get anything in the world. Delivered to your doorstep in two days, free shipping, Amazon Prime. We stand in front of the microwave, which used to, hey, come over here, watch me make a piece of bacon. Like anybody (laughs) growing up my age? Like it was amazing, five minutes, bacon, right? We stand in front of the microwave and we scream, hurry, I'm hungry, no, right? Do we not? And Satan knows this. And he will always offer you instant gratification and immediate shallow pleasure at the the cost of deep pain and regret. Jesus going without food for five and a half weeks. Here's how it went down. Here's how it went down. The tempter, Satan, came to him and said, If you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. He says, I see you're hungry. You're really hungry. Turn these rocks into, into like a nice brioche. And a, oh, yeah. And your hunger will go away like that. Instant gratification. He said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Do not accept a solution that will draw you farther and farther from God, from Jesus Christ. That is not a solution. It is temporary shallow pleasure at the expense of long-term deep pain. And Satan will always offer you that. It's been said, it's been said that Satan is always happy to offer, you a, to, to offer to cure your cold if he can give you cancer. What's the biggest regret you currently face in your life? You don't have to say it. Just think about it. The biggest regret you face in your life, if you're not a follower of Jesus, I wish this wasn't true of me, okay? If you are a follower of Jesus, um, I wish I didn't break God's heart this way. What is that biggest regret? Just get one. Some of you are puzzled because you have a lot of regrets. I get it. Just pick one, right? You got it? Got one? Chances are, chances are it had something to do with immediate gratification. With you choosing some sort of shallow and immediate pleasure at the cost of lasting and deep pain and regret. Chances are, regardless of whether it's sexual, pornographic, substance-related, alcohol or drugs, cutting, self-mutilation, financial, procrastination, overindulgence on food, work, media, play, whatever. Show of hands. How many of us would say that we have fallen for this one? One way or another. Okay, that's popular, as is lying. Okay, good, good. Not good that we've fallen. Good that we know. Good that we know. And we could say, Lord, we don't want that. It's epidemic. Here's the solution. Here's the solution. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. That means he will strengthen you. He will give your heart courage. Wait for the Lord. It's been said that people who are going to live forever can afford to be patient. Wait on the Lord. A cure that doesn't come from God is not a cure, and you don't want it. You don't want it. Wait on the Lord. This is true. I don't know why. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives, and you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Not only as he hacks the the traffic lights in our mind, will he cause us to go when we should stop. He'll cause us to stop when we should go. And this is just just as common. One of the ways that he does that is that we need to see people in need and respond. Next, please. If anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother or sister in need yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? We think about cash. What about your time? What about your ears, your listening, your encouragement, your words of life, your hope, your attention? You're lifting their face and your cash and your food and your clothes. They got it. They need it. You got it. You give it now. You do that, right? He's going to keep you the second way. Second way. That's why we serve, right? He will tell you to stop when you should go. How many people? Sunday morning, if something's going to go wrong in your house, it makes it easier to stay in bed or stay at home, right? That's the day you need to make sure you're here because that one's for you, right? Take take notes. The second thing, not just seeing people in need, but when God is calling you to commit, when God is calling you to, to give your life to Jesus Christ, to recommit your life to Jesus Christ, to come up for prayer, how many times... Does God say green light? Satan says red light. We stop. He's like, ah, that might be a good idea. Just not now. Now, now's not the time. If God is speaking to your heart right now, then right now is the right time to respond. He will do everything he can to keep you from moving closer and committing to Jesus Christ. The word says this. today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Today, if God gives you a green light and the world and Satan and every demon flashes red, you go, you go, because he's got something for you himself. Satan will do everything in his power and with his demon to keep you from getting close to committing to, rededicating to, Jesus Christ. He will do everything to keep you from receiving Jesus Christ. One more story and then you're home. My father, many of you know, died when I was 20 years old of a horrible brain tumor. This big, athletic, strapping man fought this until it made him blind, virtually mute, and the entire right side of his body, which was his stronger side, was so weak and atrophied that it just hung. It was just bones and skin. Could not move it if he had to. Deep, Catholic believer in Jesus Christ. Father Rudy in New Orleans was this alcoholic priest that my dad befriended. No, no, no. He was in in recovery. But he had been discarded. And he and my dad formed this friendship and he rediscovered his ministry by bringing communion, bringing the Lord's Supper to my father in our house. Well, This one particular day I was home from college. And so it's my mom and my dad and myself on the side of his bed because that's where he can be. And Father Rudy. And in the Catholic tradition, they have hosts that have been consecrated and they actually believe that and, 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 and we're cool with them, right? They, that this, this host, this bread has been transformed in the actual body of, of Jesus Christ. We, we believe it's symbolic. But. And the prayer is this. As Father Rudy holds up the host to my father, he says, this is the Lamb of God. This is Jesus who takes away the sins of the world. Happy are we to be called to a supper. And, and, and then uh, the faithful would say, Lord, I am not worthy to receive you but only say the word and my soul shall be healed. He says, may the body of Christ bring us to everlasting life. And he says, the body of Christ. And he approaches my father who sticks out his tongue to have a, at which time a shriek fills the room. My father's right paralyzed skinny arm is lifted up like this and smacks Father Rudy across. All the hosts go flying. All over the. And Father Rudy is crawling around, consuming the hosts, which priests are instructed to do. And my dad falls back on the bed and says, That was not me. That was not me. I want Jesus. I want Jesus. And Father Rudy said, I know it wasn't. I know it wasn't. gave him the body of Christ not in him but around do you understand he wasn't possessed he was oppressed It was. that is to tell you what is alive and active in your life evil will do everything possible in the most invisible ways possible to keep you from committing Recommitting, dedicating, seeking, pressing into Jesus Christ. Don't let it happen. You have great hope. You have great hope. He who is in you, Jesus, is greater than he who is in the world, Satan. That is not to say that you are greater. You are not. I am not. He is greater and when he is in you if he lives in you then you are greater which means if you have surrendered to Jesus Christ you have his authority over every evil over every demon you have over their influence you have him inside you and he is greater and you have authority and i want you to walk in it. but if do not have him in you. You are powerless against evil. And I don't want that. I don't want that for any of you. So be sure. Be sure. Be sure. For He is greater. And he loves you. He loves you now. And he'll love you home. Some of you got a green light today. Josh and Amanda. I would like Natalie and Jeremy over here. I'm going to be over here. We'll pray over you. We'll pray for you. Pray with each other. You've been brave. I'm going to get punished. Let's do business with God. Let's get free. I love you.